0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Because we have so many guests that are with us, I'm going to just take a moment and explain why we have this series called The ABCs of Character Building. Obviously, we know that as Christians that we need to have good, solid character. And those of you that are a little bit more mature, you know that the character we need to have would be called the character of Christ... Well, that whole concept of character building is really taking on new meaning and it's really being propelled more in the public arena today. Why? Because we've seen so many ethical integrity breakdowns beginning in the financial world, even in the political world, and unfortunately sometimes even in the religious or the faith-based community. So people are really wanting to speak to the issue of integrity or character building. And I applaud them for that, especially those that are involved in education of children and then in the business community where they're helping employees learn how to have character in their life. But even with all of that, we know that often those are centered around the person being better so that they could get along better with others, so they can get a job, keep a job, get promoted in a job, or usually it's something that's more man-centered than God-centered. Often, because character is good, it's still coming out of a person who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't have the power of God. So most of what they're going to have to do then to have character is to try to will it to be in the flesh, we might say, according to the Bible. So they try to do that, and they have to put up all around them reminders to stay on target, on focus with this. But yet, when we talk about a Christian having character it actually can become easier. Oh, yeah, there's always that struggle between the flesh and and the spirit and Satan coming against us. But in reality, though, for Christians to have good biblical character, it really can be easier. For one reason, when you trusted Christ as Savior, the character we should have is already found in the person of Christ, and he now lives within us. Secondly, to remind us without having to have placards all around and people reminding us to have character, the Holy Spirit will continually remind us to avoid the things that don't have character and to embrace what character is. And then he also reminds us that if we exchange our lack of character for his character, we can do that. So character then becomes not man-centered. It becomes God-centered because it's all about him and all for him. So the reason I now do my good character is not necessarily to get a raise or to get along better with others or to make life go better, which it very well could in many cases, But in reality though, it's to do all of this so I bring all the glory and honor to the Lord so that when I am displaying Christ-like character and nobody sees it or even get persecuted for that, it's okay because the only one I'm really doing this dance for is the Lord. And he is applauding all of this because I'm doing it for him. But for Christians, though, it's good for us to know that we have all of this in Christ, and it's all found in the Bible, but you come to church in places like this where that it's taught to you so that, again, we can have a little bit of a visual of what character traits would be all about. So we've embarked upon a journey going through the ABCs of character building. Each letter represents a different character trait, and you can see we're coming toward the end of the alphabet, and we're now on letter S, and there's a lot of different character traits about which we could select a character, but we've chosen uh, sensitivity. And I prayed a great deal about this and been really carrying this whole concept about being sensitive to the Lord and having sensitivity with one another for many, many years. But I'd like to share this with you today. And so, for those of you that are our guests, you're coming in with a standalone message, but it's in a series, but you can still stand alone with what you're going to learn. The rest of us, I pray that it's one beautiful buffet of spiritual Food and meat on character training, and you're just going to add that, that uh, sensitivity to your tray of character traits in your life. Well, with that all being said, let me ask you a question. Most Christians would consider themselves as being sensitive. Wouldn't you say that most Christians would probably say, I- I'm a pretty sensitive guy, I'm a pretty sensitive gal, but are they really I think if we asked those people who would say, yeah, I'm pretty sensitive, if we asked their families if they were really that sensitive, we probably would get a different answer, wouldn't we? And I'm sure probably even in my family as well. So maybe we're not quite as sensitive as we'd like to be. Then we also have others that we know that when they are said to be sensitive, it's not in a positive sense. They're so sensitive that if you don't say something, you don't acknowledge something, you don't recognize them, or you say something not exactly right, They get their feelings hurt. You feel like you have to walk on eggshells around them. How many of you know people like that? If you do, say, "Uh Uh uh-huh. All right. And you know what? You're saying, I know people like that. And probably the person next to you that says, "Uh uh-huh, is thinking of you, of that same type of person. So we all go through that. I do that too. Now, some personality traits, some that have a particular gift, they might be a little bit more sensitive. And maybe those that have another trait, they're a little less sensitive. Maybe the gift of prophecy, they're going to be a prophet. But on the other hand, I believe that the true person a biblical sensitivity that'll be filled with the spirit appropriately will be balanced to know when they should be tough when they need to need to be tender and when they need to have that aloha spirit with one another and their sensitivity so the issue is really being this being sensitive to people or watch this now or being sensitive to the needs of people and maybe i could help frame this by wanting to be sensitive to people and we really do because we want to be relational but often we'll be more balanced if we're going to be sensitive to the needs of people. There was a writer that wrote this, and it was so good, I wanted to bring it to you. The name of the writer, his last name is Bovey, and he wrote this about sensitiveness. He said that sensitiveness is closely allied to egotism. I thought that was interesting. Indeed, excessive sensitiveness is only another name for morbid self-consciousness. Now, the cure for that is to make more of our objects and less of ourselves. And if you didn't catch that, what he's really saying is for us maybe to work on that we're not so sensitive about everything that happens to us, which becomes more morbid about us, self conscious if we were more sensitive about the needs of others, the objects, others. So as soon as we get our eyes off ourselves and how that person said something or didn't say something or did something or didn't do something, and we start thinking about other people have greater needs, my needs of being loved, if anyone who is sensitive to my needs, it's going to be the Lord, and my love tank is filled by Him. So now I can reach out and be sensitive to those that are around me. Well, let's see how we do on our own sensitivity quotient here. And I'm going to ask you three personal questions. Now, this is not to ask about people in your family, but about you personally. So let's take a quiz on our own sensitivity. Ask yourself question number one. Do I stare at or feel uncomfortable around physically or mentally challenged people? You can kind of think about that. Number two, have I ever used humor that afterwards was told to be offensive? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to tell you a personal story. I shared this with one of our one of our guys on our team. Um, I pastored in upstate New York. Uh, pastor Jack is here and his wife. And I remember our church was filled with people. We had a balcony, a very large ministry. And I was giving a story. I came from Texas to pastor this church. And in the middle of that story, I told a story, and I was illustrating my point. And in it, I mentioned... Dialogue that was going on between a couple of people in the story just a story I might tell on a Sunday here but I happen to mention that one of the people in my story was a black man and then he went and did all of this now hang on now I didn't talk like an African American I just mentioned black man and I went right through the story it wasn't to put down that race at all it was just a black man and I put him in the story in fact, that's how I heard the story, so I gave it that way. Afterwards, I had one of the guys on my team, and I'm so grateful for the team I have that loved me enough to come alongside me and very kindly, because I'm sensitive, will share something with me. And here's what this staff member told me. He said, I noticed your story. It fit very well in the point you're about to make. And it really connected well. But I think you might have lost a lot of people because in your story, you'd said, and a black man did, da-da-da-da-da. Now, did it need to have the statement, a black man did this? Did it help the story? Did it drive home the principle even greater? And I thought about it, no. So he said, did it uh, take away from it? No. What? And he said, do you know that when you threw that term black man, it didn't add to the story, it didn't help you in any way, it wasn't necessary, it had nothing to do with ethnicity at all, you threw it in there and you just said that. Is it possible that if you left that out that it would have said the same thing? Yep. So maybe what you might want to do, Stan, is if you don't need the ethnicity to put in a story to talk about it, then you don't need to do it. I'm going to tell you that that guy spoke to my heart and I would like to tell you that from then until now, some 15 years later, I haven't done that. I don't think I have as much. Maybe not even as all at all. But it taught me now to be more sensitive about various ethnic groups that if it's not necessary in the story, that we ought not to use that. Now, I'm not giving you that as a principle for you to live, but I am telling you for me that I need to be sensitive. And the more sensitive I am, the more of an effective ministry I will have to be able to speak into their heart. Here's the last question. There's only three. The second one again was, have I ever used humor or maybe a story that afterwards was told to be offensive? The third one is this. Can I discern the true feelings and needs of my family, friends, and others? Here's the caveat. Can I sense their true feelings without asking them? Have I spent enough time around them that I could really know that there's a feeling thing going on? There's an issue that's going on. There's a need that's going on. And there's a root issue that's going on. Do I know them well enough? Am I that sensitive to them? I was listening to someone say this very about a a famous influencer. And they said, you know what made this guy great? It wasn't that he talked so well. It's that he listened so well. Now, if you just got that for my sermon today, you'd be doing well. But sometimes those of us in positions of talking and communicating, like parents and teachers and preachers and all of that, and our desire to help people, we talk so much we don't really listen. And I guess that's something I'd like to work on in my own life, that maybe somewhere on my tombstone would not be that he was a great preacher, but that he was a great listener. And if I did that, then I might be truly more sensitive to the needs of the people that are around me. Now, those of you that are still grappling with, what is this whole sensitivity? What does it mean to be sensitive? Well, I took it through a dictionary that you can get in your own home, and it basically means this, easily affected by outside operations or influences. It also means to be capable of of indicating minute changes. Now, I like that, that some of us, it almost has to be a two-by-four that hits us in the head about somebody before we really get the attention of what's happening. But those of us who now have biblical sensitivity we'd notice a little minute change. Now, we don't want to have our antennas so high up that every time someone does something a little bit odd, we hit the panic button for them, but we do want to be aware of it. Noah Ebster, our very first dictionary of the American language, said this. It says the having the capacity of perceiving impressions from external objects. And the reason he said that is that he was talking about not our, in, our own internal issues, but things that are on the outside and knowing what's going on, and we're sensitive to that. In Vines, which is our death dictionary for the uh, Greek, for our Bible, New Testament, it simply says the faculty of perception. So it basically means that we are so aware of the people around us that we notice changes and we care enough about those changes to be a part of helping them grow in God. Now, I'm going to give you a definition that you might want to use with your families. Parents, this might be good for you to work through and maybe if you want to massage it a little bit. It's up on the screen and here it is. Sensitivity is perceiving the feelings and the needs of others and doing something about it. You want to sense their feeling, but also what are their needs? Because a lot of times the way they feel is based upon a need that they have unmet in their life. So you want to perceive their feeling and need of others and then doing something about it. So if you're going to take this away, it's not just so you're so sensitive, you feel everybody's pain, like one president would say. It's I feel your pain and I'm now going to actively try to relieve you of that pain. I'm going to do something about it. Which now brings us into how sensitivity illustrated in scripture well since all the character that we would want in our life is found in the person of christ then let's look at the life of christ in at least one little snapshot and we're going to look at john chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 and it's a longer passage now for the rest of our people that have been with us for a while now let me tell you this so you know what's happening you're going to say this sounds like deja vu pastor didn't you go over this passage on another character trait and the answer is yes and i didn't forget that That character trait was on the issue of taking initiative, if you'll recall that, that we who have biblical character, that we want to take initiative in someone's life. I'm going to take the same story, but we're also going to draw from it the sensitivity that the Lord had with someone that had a need. So we're going to look at just a couple of points, same story, but now we're going to say, how did he sense that need? Let's look at it. Jesus sensitivity, was extended to needy people. Remember, the whole idea is feeling their needs and then doing something about their needs. It's the needs of others, not our own need. And I'm going to read this to you if you don't mind. This is different than what our friend Randy read this morning. It says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and they were waiting for the moving of the water. An angel was supposed to come down at a certain time in the pool and stir up the water, and there are many Bible scholars that believe that that was added to Scripture was not found in the original. But let's go on a little bit further. Then it says, and then whoever stepped into this water first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now we're getting into the meat of the story. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Uh, you can think about how old you are. And if you're 38 or older than that, then you can imagine how long that infirmity would be with you. Then it says, when Jesus saw him lying there, and those five words are in bold because we're going to pick those apart. And he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. Sure he would, he was Jesus. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, Jesus knew that too, but he wanted to hear the sick man's response. And the man said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. I can't get there. And he's telling us this story. Jesus knew about it ahead of time, knew what he was going to do, knew about all that going on, but he put this out there so that when we read it, we could learn something from it. And we're now going to learn how to be sensitive just from following Jesus' example. Look at the first check mark. What did he do? All right, here's what Jesus did when he extended his sensitivity to needy people. He saw the person in need. Now, here's what you and I can take home from that. If you look at the life of Christ, he was always on the lookout for needy people. In fact, I believe, because Jesus is God, that before man had ever fallen, he was already looking at the future need of all mankind that would sin beginning with Adam and Eve. And then he looked at the entire human race, and he says, I'm looking at all of them. They all have physical needs. They all have all this problem because of the initial sin. And their worst problem is they're going to go to hell separated from me for all eternity. And he says, I've got to do something about that. He's sensitive to our needs, so now Christ comes to this earth. But he shows his sensitivity in a lot of different ways besides just dying on the cross, which is the most way. But in this case, he saw their needs, so he was on the lookout. Here's what you and I can take away from that. If we want to display sensitivity to people around us, then we have got to get our eyes off of ourselves and look on other people. I don't mean to want what they have, covet what they have, judge what they have, but it does mean to look at their particular needs. Do you know what I think is one of the diseases that Christians often have? Here it is. It's called ingrown eyeballs. You know what I mean by that, ingrown eyeballs? are kind of turned inside. I don't mean that literally physically. But we look at our life. How do, how, how do people like me? Do they don't like me? Why did they do this? Why did they say this? Why didn't they say this? Why did they do that? Why didn't they do that? And so we're all looking at ourselves, and that's called ingrown eyeballs. Those are Christians who are growing on their level of maturity and allowing the Spirit of God to make a sense of the Spirit come alive in them. They're going to start looking that everybody has a need. They're going to look at them and how can I meet that need? Now you and I, we can't go to someone who's lame and say walk. We can't say someone who is deaf and say hear. We can't see someone who's blind and say see. But we can say, peop- we can see people who are lonely who need a love touch. We can see those who are cold that might need a blanket. We can see those who might need to have directions. We can give them directions. We can see those who might need a ride. We can give them a ride. And most of all, we can see those who are grappling in their spiritual journey who need God. And we can most easily give them that because it's so free. It's just us spending time with him doing that. So he saw a person in need. The second it said, he saw him. That little blank there with the little quotes around it, it said that he didn't just see the, the mob of people. If you read the story, you're going to see that there were a lot of people at that sheep gate. There were a lot of suffering people. And yeah, Jesus could have just snapped his finger or said the word, whatever he wanted, and it all could have been healed right on the spot with what they had. But the example that he left for us is that while you see a mass amount of people that have needs... Look for at least one. You can't reach them all. And so those of you that are still struggling with an overload in your schedule, instead of saying, I can't help anybody, and you quit and shut down, it might be good for us to step up and say, but I can help one. I can't reach everyone, but I can help one. And it might be your mate. It might be your kids. It might be your brother, young people. It might be your sister. It might be your younger sister. It might be your older sister. It could be a mom or a dad. It could be the person seated right next to you today, sovereignly placed there by God. But you saw one. You can see one. And may I just add this out? Some of you are already at this level. And here's what you do you see people that have needs. You're already saying, I'm going to be sensitive. I'm going to help them. But unfortunately, you then see people not as people, you see them as projects. Do you know what I mean by that, folks? All of a sudden it's not a person any longer is that we want to control them and we want to we're gonna fix them our way. And all of a sudden we give our whole life in that person, and now we got a codependency thing going on here. And I don't have too much time to preach on that. But we see people as people, not necessarily as a project. We really do care. Here's the third, it says, He saw him lying there. Not telling a lie, but basically he's there. He's infirm. The word means want of strength. It means weak, inability to produce results. So here was this guy that was so bummed out, he really couldn't do anything. He was just there. Then it says this man had an infirmity for 38 years. That's interesting because often when Jesus would see, talk to people that were ill, he would sometimes say they were this way from birth. This time he didn't say that. He said 38 years. So it's quite possible that this man's infirmity, he was all right for a portion of his life. And then for the last 38 years, he wasn't. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment. I was, um, I was talking to someone on Friday night. I don't want to pick on them too much. But I, I was talking to this lady, and she's here this morning. And she was talking about, a, I believe, a family member who was on a horrible, horrible accident so bad of a grinding automobile accident in Southern California outside of San Diego that this other car clipped him and if you've ever driven on the I-5 in Southern California, you're, you're supposed to go 60, 65, 70 and you're you in 90 sometimes just to keep up. And this car clipped him and sent that car smacking into the wall and when they banged into the wall, Everybody walked away from this accident except this one girl who was in the passenger side of the car. It clipped the wall and it left her paralyzed from the neck down. She is so paralyzed that she has to stay in a bed. They, have to have a speci- they had a special vehicle made just to transport her to get some form of therapy. I'm only telling you that to say this now. This girl, believe it or not, knew what it meant to walk, jump, run, play, all of that. Now, she can't even clean herself. She is totally dependent upon someone else. So I don't know how long it's been, three or four or five years. So she's had her infirmity for three or four or five years. This man had his infirmity for 38 years. Some of the people that you want to be sensitive to, they might have been carrying their infirmity, whatever that is, for a long time. And maybe that's why their personality is so squirrely and their life is so goofed up and they make stupid choices because they've really been hurting a long time. And so for us to be sensitive to them, we can say, you know what, now I know why hurting people hurt people, because they've been hurting a long time. So that's what this guy's problem was, 38 years, he must have been poor, because people like that didn't have government subsidy to help them out, I'm not going to go too far with that. He was lonely, there was no family member or friend to carry him into the pool. He might have had a weak personality, that's why he had no friends. All we know is that this poor guy was really suffering. Now, some of you are sitting back and you're saying, yeah, that guy really had a need. I'd be sensitive to that kind of person. I wonder sometimes if we really would be. Sometimes our, our, um, our quotient for sensitivity is that they're so bad, we feel like we could never help them, so we just leave them in their infirmity. Others are, we never even see that they have an infirmity, so we kind of work somewhere in the middle. It's my opinion that the Lord gave us this extreme example so that we would say that, yeah, Jesus did that for the extreme, We don't have that many extreme hurting people in our life, so we can do it for the people that are in our life. So here's another way to say it. The people that God puts close to you that have needs are the people that you really can reach, that you really can be sensitive to. He's not expecting you to go beyond your ability. He won't give you a a person that has such a need you can't help. I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of people that come to our pastor here. Can you help with this? this?" And we're limited in what we can do, but here's what we do have. We do have a network. So while we might not be able to help them, we can point them to someone who does have help. Sometimes all we can do is, you know what? Doctors can't. Medicine can't. You've gone through everything. There's no one left yet (laughs) but God. God. And we give them to God. And you know what? A lot of times that's all they needed was that love touches sensitivity there. All right, so Jesus was extending his sensitivity to needy people. Let's look at the second thing he did. Jesus' sensitivity went beyond emotions. Some people can get really worked up about people that have problems. They're so sensitive and they're, they're, their conversation goes something like this. Very simple, very short. They'll say, somebody needs to do something about... And they'll list all the stuff. The poverty, the homeless, uh, the leaves on the lanai, to teaching in Sunday school. Someone needs to do something. Why don't we have someone do da-da-da? You know, They have all the emotion and the passion. And they are sensitive, but you've got to do more than just that it's a good start because if you don't even feel that you're living in a vacuum you know again it's all about us but we've got to take that emotion channel it now to creative juices of how we can meet that need and here's what Jesus said Jesus said I feel your pain and then he left no it says Jesus said rise up take up your bed and walk now we might not be able to say rise up from your problem take up your bed you've got plenty of money in your checking account now go on and make your house payment we can't do that But there's something that we can do. And I I pray that it would be something that we do. So we have to be careful of our emotions and go beyond emotions. I heard this humorous story. I thought I'd share it with you. I hope I can say it. I'm not a joke teller. But there was this dad that was having, his, his wife was having their very first child. And he was in you know, the maternity room there and the wife is having the baby and she's screaming and hollering and he's walking back and forth for, for an hour and then for two hours he's wringing his hands and he's, oh, I can't stand this. My wife's screaming and all this stuff. And finally the wife quits screaming and, and the baby wakes up, whatever they do. I don't know, I'm not an obstetrician or whatever. Maybe they don't do that anymore. But the, little, the nurse brings out this little bundle of joy and looks at this husband and says, oh, sir. You've got a brand new daughter. And he said, I am so glad it's a girl. So when he grows up, you don't have to go through what I went through when they have a baby. Now, I know now some of you ladies can really relate because men don't feel that same kind of pain.